The Bad Boys are one of Cape Town's most notorious gangs, immersed in a world of murder, drug dealing, and brutal violence. Survival itself is a daily struggle. Today, we have a very unique opportunity to talk to some of their current leaders, Ice Boy The One and Dub Zito. They have a very brutal reputation and a violent past, but I promise you by the end of this episode, you'll see that they are more than just gangsters. So it's amazing to have you guys all here. Thanks. Today. And uh, on my right is Pastor Andy. <laughs> and um, I mean, can you guys just go around and, and quickly introduce yourselves? Um, my name is Rian. My name is JP. I'm the one. <laughs> the one. The one. It's so funny. The other day I got a message saying, um, you need to get some real gangsters on your show. And I was like, what the hell does real gangsters mean, right? Mm. And the thing is, because I've only interviewed ex-gangsters before, mm. you guys are active gangsters, am I right? Yes. yes. Active, yes. You're active gangsters. Right? Yes. So I hope that's good enough for you guys. <laughs> but they're not very good at it. <laughs> but they're not very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, we're sharing mics here today. This is a bit of a janky setup, but this is going to be a lot of fun. So what I wanted to know from you guys is, right, so you're active gangsters. Yes. What gang are you a part of? The Bad Boys. Are you guys all part of the bad boys? All part yes. of the bad boys, yeah. And how long have you guys been affiliated with gangsterism? So um, I was at the age of 13, 14 years old. I, um, I joined a, a bad boy gang. Yeah, so it's more than 12, 13, make it more than 15 years, yeah. More than 15 years I'm a bad boy now, yeah. Yeah, when I was 12 years old, I started being what I think bad boy. And from that time till now, I'm a bad boy. Yeah, I was 13 years old. 13. You, 13 years old. Yeah, then I started with the thing of bad boy, like that. Killing people for no reason, and like that. And that is how our life goes. And sometimes, you see, we kill for fun. We kill and we don't even cry anymore. If someone of us get dead, we don't cry because it's like an... Oh, yeah, you will replace it. him. You will replace him with the it's other guy. It's something like survival, man. You see, it's survival because I need to protect my brother. It's a must. But and you know how our society on the outside, if you're part of something, you're going to protect for what you stand for. So mm. we protect for what we stand for. And what, is, what do you guys stand for? Pet. Pet boy. Bad boy. Yeah. But what does that mean, though? Petals are dangerous, but only youngsters survive. That's the meaning of bad boy, yeah. And do you guys think that you'll be doing this forever? No. no. Then we wouldn't sit here today. If we would have done it forever, we wouldn't sit here today. So I wanted to, I wanted to know, me and, me and you were speaking yesterday, Andy, and um, I want you to give a brief context, right, as to the work you guys are doing together and how you got into the work that you're doing now. And also some context as to the place these guys live in. Um, and the environment, you know? Just give us a sense of, of what that's like for them. Great, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having us, by the way. Pleasure. First time I've ever been invited anywhere a second time in my life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so I'll start with, uh, with Fasana Kral. So Fasana Kral, uh, it's, a, it's a, a, a relatively small township just north of uh, Durbanville in, uh, in uh, Cape Town. About 50 odd thousand people. Um, and it's almost exactly 50% colored and 50% black. So it's a multiracial township. Um, and it's, it's, I, when I first was introduced to it almost 10 years ago, I, it was described to me as the forgotten city. Uh, it's kind of a place that nobody really cares about. It's right next to Prosperity in, in Durbanville, one of the wealthiest parts of Cape Town. Uh, everybody in Durbanville seems to have money, but if you're in Fasanakral, you're unlikely to have 10 rand to your name. You know, we started working with the kids in the community and just saying, hey, what do you want to do now? Uh, to, to help your community and, and, and the guys would be like, well, we need to bury a baby or we need to, you know, build a, a shack for, uh, for a go-go whose who's shack burnt last night or, do, you know, practical things, just little things. Um, but, uh, but the kids were the guys who were doing it and the kids were actually these guys, brothers and contemporaries, but these guys weren't around for most of that time. They can tell you where they were at the time. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, they were not in Fasant for most of that time. Um, but uh, anyway, so we've just kind of built relationship with the with the young guys in Fasant over the last uh, the last eight or nine years, and and we've given them the opportunity, uh, or we've had the privilege of helping to provide the opportunity for these youngsters to do some crazy, some really incredible things. You know, building a thousand odd shacks, or repairing and building a thousand odd shacks after a big storm, 
uh, building $700 odd shacks in Kailicha, entirely black township, having 20 odd uh, mainly coloured kids come to Kailicha for a month and help build 700 odd shacks, etc. But how I came to meet these guys uh, three years ago during lockdown, two of the gangs, Casanovas and uh, Sexy Boys, uh, got into a into a fight and there was some killings and we managed to get pretty pretty near miraculous peace. Uh, only a week after the killing of one of the young men, Tata. And then that peace lasted a year almost to the day. On the day of the anniversary of Tata's death, uh, the Casanovas went and picked a fight with the sexy boys. Uh, Casanovas are not part of the bad boys, but they're friends with the bad boys. So that meant that the bad boys and the sexy boys were all of a sudden fighting as well. And that then uh, brought in another, another gang called the JKs. Uh, and so the four gangs have been fighting and killing each other pretty successfully for the last couple of years. Too many, too many deaths, right, guys? Like yes, just definitely. too many ge- deaths on everyone's side of the fence, so to speak. And uh, so uh, three weeks, four weeks ago on a Sunday, I was driving up the main street of, uh, of Fasant, and I'd not met these three guys before. I'd seen Dylan, but I'd not met uh, Ice Boy or, or Dubzito. Um, and uh, and so I just I, I recognized, you know, as, uh, forgive my language, but as we say in Australia, it takes a bullshitter to know a bullshitter. So it takes a gangster <laughs> to know a gangster, right? <laughs> so I recognized these guys as in for for what their what their front was, if that makes sense. And uh, and so I just pulled up and and stopped and started telling jokes. I think the first thing I did was say to uh, Ice Boy, "Your zips undone, dude." <laughs> and he looked down. I'm like, "Hey, got him in the palm of my hand." Not that part of him in the palm of my hand. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and we just got jolling. We just got chatting, and and I said, "Hey, listen, can I?" Can we have a braai uh, on Wednesday night? And and, um, and uh, was it Wednesday or Tuesday? No, it was Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday night. Let's have a braai on Wednesday night. I want to share a little bit about faith. I want to share a little bit about what I think hope, come, you know, where I think hope comes from, from a Christian perspective. And um, and I want to share a bit of my story and I want to share a bit of your story. And so we stood around a fire and we just told stories. And, you know, I asked the guys, what's your name? What's your age? Uh, what do you like doing? Uh, and uh, we just got jolling, and, and by the end of that night, 100% of the guys were like, I want this God, and I want peace, and I don't want this rubbish anymore. 100% of them, right, guys? True. Yes. True. Every True. single one. And when you got, you know, the senior leaders of the gang, you guys are the senior leaders there, right? Yes. yes. Um, to be bold enough and courageous enough in front of their community to put their hands up and say, hey, I want God, which means I can't do this myself, irrespective of your faith perspective, just having the courage to say, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not the toughest guy here. I need. I need somebody tougher to help look after me as such. That was a breakthrough moment, without a doubt. And then they said, "Look, we want peace. We don't. We don't want this rubbish anymore." So that gave me the ammunition, so to speak, uh, to be able to go to the other three gangs and say, "Hey, this isn't BS. This is real. They all want peace." So that's kind of how we got to know each other. I want to know, right, guys? What is a day going back to this peace that is currently going on? There is peace currently. Yes. In. Um, yeah. For Santa Claus, sorry. Um, what does it look like when there isn't peace? What does a day look like when there's fighting in for Santa Claus? I'm telling you, it's a war zone. A year ago, the police did send choppers to stop us. Choppers? Choppers, yeah. Like, and literally, choppers was in the sky to, to stop us because they were shooting at this business. He owns a tavern. So, one of those other guys, they were shooting um, at his business, but he wasn't there. He was at his house. Yo, it was yo, it was hectic, bro. It was hectic, it was hectic bro. Police. They, they, they also shoot police. They, they also shoot police. Three police get shot. shot. But not us. We didn't yeah. shoot police. The guys who did shot us, they shot the police. So they were getting arrested, yeah. And what's the environment like in for Santa Kral during a gang fight or a gang war, right? Say you're like two weeks into a heavy war. What is the atmosphere like? Because it's not just gangsters that live there. In yeah, fact, it's yeah. the majority of people yes. that live there are not gangsters, right? Yeah. But they're kind of being held hostage mm, yes. by, by, no offense, but you guys, in yes. a way, right? The um, street is quiet yeah. if there's gang fight. The, the whole community. Is quiet. Only see the gangsters Only outside. Only the gangsters outside shooting each not other. Not even kids, you know, In other places, kids, they play outside, like, especially if there's war in Bihavo, Menembok, or any other type of place. place. There's still kids because they want to see... Because the only role models our kids have is gangsters. You know that? Because I want a nice chain, I want a nice watch, I want a nice house, but they don't know what comes with it. So we join gangs. Like for me, the reason why I didn't join the gang is not because I did have, I can't say I did have everything, everything because my mother did 
um, she was um, checking out for me. Nice education, nice everything, but just the lack of support to structure because she used to work Monday to Sunday. So there was no one with me. So the only place where I did feel comfortable was with the brothers. And they took me in from the age of 13 years old, you see. But going back to what he was asking, how's our community when it's, oh, it's bad? It's really bad. For me personally, I don't like the, the, the vibe, the energy, because we, we're just defending ourselves, you know, but for the rest of the community, oh, it's not nice, man. It's because nice, people yeah. don't go to work, kids don't go to school. Police don't want to enter even our community. We sent in the gang unit to stop us. They send law but enforcement. But normal police can't stop they us. They can't stop. They are scared to come in. And you see, you know, they have our place. A lot of other guys from different places, like Minnenberg, Dialf, Nova Park. When Dialf. they come to our place, Dialf. they judge us. So within the time they judge us, they get killed. <laughs> It's like that. It's like that. They have our place where we stay. Lot of guys that come there, they want to shooting on us. They are there by where we stay. All the guys. Oh, we stay. taking a tough. The, the most yeah. of the fight is they about tough. They want to take tough. our money. Yeah, they want to take our tough they now. Shooting stuff. Yeah. And during the shooting, right? Are you thinking about the kids and the the mothers and the the brothers and the people that are not gangsters are you are you thinking about their safety or are you just thinking about our this safety. is my turf we're, we're yeah. just thinking about our I want to survive this and I'm going to go kill those guys like yeah. that. you know how many mothers we did lost from our own brothers you know yeah. how many fathers we did lost from our own brothers how many brothers we did lost so we just think about our own safety because tomorrow they can shoot my mom they can shoot my father they can shoot my son because I have a son all and of this stuff are they are they going after them or is it like they're 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 being caught in the crossfire of a gang fight? We're not going after them. They caught in the crossfire because me, as if I'm speaking from a father's perspective now, I will never kill a kid. I will never kill a mother because I have a mother and I have a father and I have a kid. I'm just like I say, we're just defending ourselves in our turf and for what we stand for. And um, if anything stands in the way of that, we kill definitely. It. We kill it. No if we don't we kill, stand, we make plans. If, if you stand in our way, we kill you. We make plans. We must make a plan because if you stand in our way, we must delete you. And or then you we delete, delete us. Same like that. like that. We can't wait for you to it's kill us. Poverty. <laughs> and what is driving this all, right? I know you say it's turf mm. or it's drugs and, mm. and money, right? But I feel like there has to be something more than that. What do you think is the real driving force behind gangsterism? I know you just touched on it a little bit, right? Yeah. Like Uncle Andy said, we don't have hope. You see, my two brothers, I'm not a prison gang member, but I'm an active gang member. I'm a bad boy. They are prison gang members. I was also in prison, but I didn't want to participate in the prison gang um, activities, you understand? So for me, there's no hope. First things first, lack of fatherhood, like Uncle Andy said, because if we did have fathers, they would have uh, um, raised us, right? Because my father, he's still alive, but he was Ibsen. So there was no guidance from a father's perspective to help me and say, hey, that's wrong. Because my mother was working every day to see that I have good education, to see that I eat tonight, to see that I have fleshy clothes and all of that, you see. So it's, it started by the fathers for me, man. Because if there's more fathers involved in the, in the, in the children's life, there will be hope. It's just according to me. That's what I see. See, there's the thing for, from my side. I, d I describe it as the Nazi test. So if you walk down the street and you throw a Nazi in the street and the kids fight over it, you're going to have gangsterism. And that's not because those kids want to be bad kids. That's because gangsterism is born out of a void and a void of a lack, as Rihanna said, of fathers and a lack of hope, but also a lack of just stuff, enough water, enough air, yeah. enough beds, enough Nazis, enough whatever. So if I throw a, a, a Nazi in the street in Fasanakral, the kids will beat the living hell out of each other <laughs> to get the one Nazi, because yeah. there's only one. And only so it's one. a law of the jungle. So you fight over the top of each other. And that's part of the design of gangsterism. Keep the guys fighting each other, keep them filled with hopelessness, and they'll never take what I have, and they'll always work for me for 20 bucks a day or whatever the case might be. If there were more opportunities, we wouldn't have because easily we can make 10 to 20,000 in a day just with drugs. We can send a few guys quickly, eh? Dollar this, dollar that, dollar this, dollar that. We have 30 to 40,000. 
Because when do we gain the money for us? We have 50,000 right now. Later, we have nothing. We should go to square A or plan A again. You understand? So if there's a lot of opportunities, we wouldn't participate anymore. In You know what? <clears throat> the peace is by us in for Santa Carla. I'm not talking about other places. If we don't want peace, there won't oh, be peace. Never. But because of Uncle Andy, he did come and he told us there is a better way of living. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So th I want to talk about family now a little bit. I mean, what kind of a home did you guys grow up in? Oh, bro, my, I'm going to talk. I, I was raised with a single mother, you see, but like I said earlier, my mother wasn't there every day, man, because she used to work Monday to Saturday, Sunday. But the home I was raised in, any other type of kid would crave or wanted to live there down because I did have education. If I want Nikes, if I want Jordans, if I want everything, my mother didn't make sure for that, you see. So the household I was raised in was quite good. It was just my own choices, my decisions, you see, that led me to gangsterism. The household I grew in was nice. I grew up with my parents, my mother and my father my brothers, but uh, the time I'm growing up, my father was leaving my mother, so, but he's still looking after us when we are hungry, he was bringing up food, he's looking after us, and that's where I started with gangsterism because I was start stressing why my father leave my mother, but all the years we were together, you see, and that's where I start starting with gangsterism, going to the streets, looking mm -hmm. for love on the streets, I'm growing up with brothers, and I'm still 20, 26 years old now, but uh, I have more than 200 members with me, you understand? Yeah. And that's how we love to... Just to survive, yeah, man. Just, just to, to survive. survive. That's the thing. Yeah. I grew up there by my, by my grandmother's house. Yeah, my mother was staying with the other guy. My father was having other woman. So my grandmother was working for me, and he was only working two days, one week. She must go to church, then she, if she go to church, someone give her food, that one give potatoes, that one give dead meat, that one give... If she don't go to church, we can't eat on the Sunday. And one day she was drinking, and we can't eat on the Sunday, that we start, then I start to rob. And then is how my gangsterism get till today. And what did your parents do for work? Um, my mother is working at Falke Eurosex. Yeah, she's a, yeah, she's a quality controller and something like a supervisor there. She's, she's making um, underwear in Beavos out there, Falke and Eurosex. Was your dad part of gangster? Was he a gangster? Or? My father was a taxi driver, yeah. My father was what the main guys of the sexy boys, like Charom and the, the, the brothers, you see. But he's retired now. You see, but I think it's my father did start this whole gangster journey in my life because definitely everybody want to be like the father because my father did have more than 10 taxis. My father was just a fleshy guy, man. You see, so I think I wanted to be like him in a way as well. Yeah, my father, we have a tavern, we have a lot of houses, but you know most how it works in this life. We can't look on what they have, we must look on what we can get and what we can have, you understand? What we can achieve, yeah. Uh, yeah. We need to look at our own stuff. Can't look what they have because sometimes they're gonna tell you, hey. You need to go work. You need to go to work. Don't want to listen, you want money here. They play late, they play late. You still <laughs> lying here. You yeah, understand? see stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting <laughs> shy now. <laughs> no. My, my grandmother's long time gone. Yeah. She's long time gone. Yeah, my mother's working. My father's working. But I have my own job. I'm selling drugs for me. So I don't have a problem with dead people or what, what, or like that. Yeah. Don't we don't ask our people anymore. nothing, man. I don't my father because I, I grow up like that without them doing my own thing. See? Getting your own money. Yeah. Getting my own money. Own That's hustle. why. How old were you when you first started working or... Doing stuff to get money to support uh, yourself. Um, I was 14 years old. 14. And what did you start doing at 14? I was roping. First time I was roping. After that, that I told them my grandmother, if my grandmother was going to church, then we can eat on the Sunday. 
But, but if she, she didn't, didn't go, go to church, we can't eat. Because if, if she go to church, there's people in the church. church that's helping the helping family yeah. with mm-hmm. meat and stuff like that. So when she don't attend church, then he should go out and start robbing just to feed the family. Start smoking drugs, stuff like that. Mm. But I thank God I don't smoke drugs anymore. You yeah, see, yeah, 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 we just yeah, smoke weed. Everything. How did you guys get involved with gangs? And by by that I mean, you. I'm sure you guys didn't just walk up to the gangsters and go, mm. "I want to be one of you," right? Was there someone that that brought no. you into it, or um, how did how did that come about? How did you, you become saw, a gangster? Uh, you, see, um, you see, we must skill to come in the gang. You see. You have to kill someone to come into the gang. You have to kill someone to come in the gang. You see, you get bullied, and now you come to bigger guys and tell them, then you won't say, what, what, they give you a gun, shoot him. Then he will be one of us. Then if you shoot that guy, kill him, now you don't have any police anymore, can't bully you because you have a team who's behind your back. Now you are the bully. Now you start bullying the people, you see. Like that, you see, like day to day, the main leaders of the gang. You see, like me, I'm not from Santa Cruz. I was getting out of prison, so I wanted the place actually to be a more but safe man. You see, so my cousin, he's my cousin actually. He told me, "Hey, it's gonna take me in, man." But my journey with gangsters and we start in Biavo South. We are uh, in Biavo South. We were a few boys in school. You see, and we just did call ourselves the bad boys, and people, same like you say, they were bullies. So we say, hey, let's be three or four. Let's show this guy because he did bully him and him and me. So we're going to show him now. So that's the thing I would start in. We just need, wanted street love. I mean, we wanted some sort of credit. You see, I can take a gun now. I can get an AK-47 now. I can get whatever I want to get now. You understand? So it was more about credibility for me. I wanted to be seen like, ah, oh, that's the OG, man. Mm-hmm. You see, but mm-hmm. that was my journey into gangsterism. And it was quite easy, quite easy to join gangsterism in the Cape Flats. It's very easy because there's gang, even now there's going to be gangsters that that here on us three now. To join a gang is not easy. And it is easy. You know why I say it is easy? Because I can just come there by you and I can tell you, yeah, I want to join the gang. You're going to give me a gun. You say, kill the enemy. I'm going to kill him. You saw you. You, you understand? Really join the game. And the reason why I say it is, like I said, it's easy and not easy. The not easy part is to live with that consequence because after you're going to kill me, I'm going to guarantee you there's going to come more than 200 to 300 brothers. They're going to come try and kill you. Definitely. Yeah. So, so it's a cycle. Yeah. So were you guys the guys that started the yes. gang? Yes. Right? So you didn't have to join it. You were one of the founding yeah, members. One of the founding right? members, yeah. And how many founding members of this gang? What's the gang's name again? Bad, Bad Boys. Bad Boys. How many... How many um, Mem- like founding members are they? Only those two. So you guys are the leaders of where yeah. we stay, yeah. the bad boys. Yeah. From where you stay, okay. Uh, where we start with a thing, bad boy was in Kaimontain with big gangsters. Uh, yeah, but I don't want to call that names. Yeah, we're not gonna yeah talk no, that's now, fine. And, and, yeah. and how many members of the gang are there? Yeah, more than 200. Just in for Santa Cruz. He's black. Talent. Yo, oh. what you name it? So you guys don't discriminate. We don't discriminate. <laughs> yeah. We don't discriminate. Moderately certain there's no white members in the Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only only Andy. <laughs> Andy's the only white member. The only white member. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you guys were saying right that for the initiation you had to kill someone. Yeah, yes. some some go through that process because I didn't have to kill. Yeah, to I, to become me. one. But, but you that, guys did, hey? Process. Yes. We'd, we'd like to say we're not going to snitch on ourselves like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a life. And I mean, what do you guys think would happen if the gangs in your areas disappeared? Right? Because they, they're so ingrained into the way your areas operate, right? Mm. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, if I'm saying yes. something wrong, you must tell me, right? Mm. But um, I feel like they're so ingrained. What do you, how do you think you're the environment of, for, for example, the Cape Flats for Santa Crawl? How would that change if the gangs disappeared? If our system and our governments get the right, because the biggest gangsters is, is the government. You see, the people that bring drugs to us is the government. The people that bring guns to us is the government. So if there's a change in our system, definitely. There's other countries that don't even have crime. You see, I can't call her names now, but if it's change in our system, 
and there's no corruption and stuff like that, they wouldn't be gangsters. I can guarantee you. Because I can go with a thousand rent to a corrupt officer now. I tell him, yeah, I need a gun. Mm. You're gonna give me? He w- the other day they was raiding my house. They take 200 grams um, of wheat and they took uh, money by my place. I can't go to, to the police, you see? Because they're gonna, I wasn't at home. They come without a search warrant, trapped down my door, took all the stuff, you see? And it's wrong. All and that stuff that it took, they did go see how aunt, to a next merchant, I can guarantee you that they didn't book that in because mm. they didn't book it in. Mm. The police would have come there by my door. They wanted to come arrest me, you see? So they didn't book anything of that. So where's the imbalance? And so where, and where's the, um, the, how can I say now? Where's the sort? It's by our government, by our leaders. If they lead by example of they lead right in the right way, we wouldn't do this, really, man. You know how easy it is to get a gun even? Not by a gangster, but by the law. Their salary is so little to give them a two, three thousand rand, what they pay. Anytime they will steal a gun for you. You see, so. Give stuff back if we get them, like drugs by you, we just give him 500 then. He bring our stuff back. Bring my stuff back. Give us stuff back. Or maybe they're catching other, other guys. Other merchants. Other gangs with a gun. They bring they the bring gun. They bring the gun. Yeah. Other gangs like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm. See. If they get that enemy with something um, like mandrakes or anything, they take the mandrakes, they leave you. They take the mandrakes, they come sell it there by us. Out of 10 officers, there's always one or two that's corrupt. I can guarantee you that. You can come 10 officers in now. If it's not one, but it's going to be two that's going to be corrupt. Really, man. But one of them must be corrupt. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> you see. That's why the crime can't stop, because the police officers corrupt. The system fails us, man. The system mm. fails us, really. Mm. Because like I told you, me, I can do videography, I'm a rapper, I can edit, I can do all of this stuff. But there's no opportunity for me. If, well, I, take, he, yeah, yeah, sorry. if I take my resume or my CV to a corporate company or anything like that, they're not going to give me a job. Because for the way I look, for the way I, for, how can I say now? Yeah, for the way I look and for who I am. They're still gonna judge me on yesterday because they say, ah, this guy's a killer, this guy's a robber, this guy do this. You understand? Yeah. But mm-hmm. they don't see the talent in what I can bring to the table. Will, will you rap for us? I would love Definitely. to. Definitely. You, are you gonna freestyle? I'm, I'm or you Afrikaans g- rapper. I'm Afri- I, can, I, can, I can do something, yeah. No, yeah, go in Afrikaans. It's fine. Op kruispaaien, liepene en geskeerde blaaien, twee gezicht brasen met beef in a deep fryer, wat je potential a 9 to 5 met stung blaaien, jylle doen, man. In praat net by je, ek het ambitie, ek het eidel vermoe, ek het fokkel geheel, maar een droom wat ek kan gloe, ons ook pies, maar ons is geboren een oorloe, gloe een slag in jouself en in die man van boe, what you wanna be, you can tell me, I can keep a secret, sal niemand vertel nie, but nowadays is dan nie evens in die toilet privacy, what if love were a myth in life a conspiracy. Ik vraag me niet, ik is die die wie geval het op zijn bek. Ik is die type broer wat probeer leer van God ken. Ik draag mijn Christ die dag, deze in hou. Hoog mijn kind, dus kop boe water, maar soms van mijn broer hulle kan niet swim. Dis preachers, dis teachers, dis Jesus, believe this. I can get a Grammy with no features. Ik zie niet mezelf weer in de ziel, zonder fietus. Wat is die prijs voor die cure van die business, a sickness? Oh, that was good. <laughs> Yo, that's easy. So, I mean, you guys mentioned it. So I had G-Boy on the podcast, yeah. right? You guys know G-Boy? Me, yeah. yeah. I know, I'm, I'm a rapper, I know G-Boy, yeah. You know him personally? Not personally, but through his music and yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. And he's, he's someone that you kind of look up to as well or would Can like to work with, with in the future. Definitely, but I don't look up to no one. I look up to myself because at the end of the day, it's me, myself, that's going to get me where I want to be. Mm. Some of them inspire me, uh, but it's me, myself, that's going to get me where I want to be, you see. So, like I said, I don't need a feature to get a Grammy. I know my worth. I know my potential. Just, I, I just need to get in the right space with the right people. You understand? Mm. So it's like that, yeah. One of my introductory comments to Dabzito the other week was to tell him that I used to be a world-class Christian rapper and I was, my, my tag was C-Rap. And he kind of worked out that it meant crap. <laughs> but, 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 you know, rap is an important, it's an important thing. And the reason it's an important thing is because it's story, right? Definitely. It's, it's, it's agency. It's the ability to tell your story. And, and where rap comes from, 
this is me, me, you know, as a, as a rich white boy telling people where rap comes from. <laughs> but, you know, my understanding of where rap comes from, it comes from the ghetto, it comes from the soul, it comes from people that have, have been dispossessed and, and had the ability to tell a story and the right to tell a story taken from them systematically. So they go, screw that, here's my story. Definitely. And so it's super, super powerful. You know? how I started that because I had no one to talk to me and my problems. So I was just grabbing a piece of paper and a pen and I was writing my problems down. All of a sudden, I started rhyming. I'm self-taught. My mother did spend money who wanted to send me to an institution or college, but I was a dropout, man. Have you ever heard of the nicest prison in the world? Um, it's in, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, it's in Norway. Yeah. Right? So I, I, I see the world's toughest prison. There was a... No, no, the nicest world. prison. The nicest <laughs> prison. There's this, there's this prison in, in Norway. Norway. I'm pretty sure it's Norway, right? Where they have supermarkets... They have recording studios. Yeah. So they have like an actual recording studio with speakers, mixers, everything, right? I'll be comfortable in that prison. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't have prison cells. They've got, um, they've got just bedrooms, right? No bars on the windows, nothing. Yo. Right? So you can escape from their prison technically. And you will not... The only reason... It's not illegal to escape from prison there. Okay. You can escape, Right. The only thing you'll get arrested for is if you run out with the the, the no. prison uniform on because you're yeah. stealing. <laughs> so basically, if they catch you, they'll bring you back. But technically, you won't get any extra prison time there, right? I mean, what talking about prison, what are the c conditions in the prisons in South Africa? It's very harsh. It's, it's very cruel, man. You see, me, they call me a Franz. But outside, they won't call me a Franz. They know I'm a bad boy. Like this, he's a 27, he's a 26. I can't, I'm not gonna speak for them. You see, like they said, there's a France common, there's a Owen mm. I was experienced one week, the Owen and I was like, ah, this, this gangster <laughs> thing is not for me, actually. <laughs> you see, so I go to the France Kama where I say, I can say, yeah, you don't want to give me this. I let this kill your mother. I let this kill your father. What I, I mean by conditions is like, what is the actual prison like? So, which, which prison were you in? Again? Um, Goodwood. Goodwood. Posmo Goodut. Posmo Goodut. And Posmo. And in Goodut. What are the conditions like? What are the living conditions like there? It's not liquor, man, because you stand up with funny smells. They come people who don't like water and stuff like that, you yeah. see. So oh, for me personally, I don't recommend anyone to go to prison. It's that. Because you only eat two times in <laughs> prison, nine o'clock and twelve o'clock. Then it's finished. Then it's finished. Tomorrow you eat again. Nine o'clock and twelve o'clock. It's just two times. And eh? sometimes if the guy's making problems, no food. No, no food. food. And you know what's the scariest door? You know what's the scariest door? You can ask them the masters. When the masters close, stuff happen, you know. The master the, key. Mm, the yeah. master yeah. door. Yeah. And if that door closes, the whole thing. <laughs> One of the all yeah. puzzle is close <laughs> after that. Close it. One of the, the guys that I interviewed now before was telling me about I think it was Tony Adams. He was saying <laughs> that um it's okay during the day, right? Kind of. But when they put you into your cell yeah, at nighttime um, with 40, 50, 60, 30 guys, whatever it is in those rooms, and they lock the doors. They don't come to help you. Never. Uh, never and you never. guys are all on top of each other, right? And you can't uh. scream for police, bro. That's going to make well you a snitch and you're going to die. They you can't tell police anything that's happening in your cell room. Can't if the yeah. masters fall, you can ask this guy. You see how the, the phones come out of the asses, how the drugs come out of the asses, all of that stuff. So during the day, you guys hide all that stuff in your ass? Yes, definitely. Did you do that? No, because I wasn't in the ones. Um, the guy next door's ass, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you guys get someone else to carry it. I, didn't, I, didn't I don't want to laugh about that. guys who carried it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. guys who like to carry it. So you guys weren't those guys? No, no, no you don't me. do that. Nah, I don't do that. Even my own stuff, I can put. But for other people, but, I can't put. But... You, you do that up to survive in prison. You yeah, see, most of the guys. Most of the guys, they don't get buzzed or nothing. Money. Smoking and whatever. Now he must hold you make stuff. your ass a bag. He must hold <laughs> the stuff. <laughs> and then he can also smoke. If the guy smoke, he can smoke. Yeah. Because, because he's, he's getting stuff. Yeah. Stuff right, like that. I remember uh, not, not, not too far into the beginning of lockdown. But Andy, you can carry a lot of stuff. <laughs> 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 hey, you you, you want to see here on this podcast, you've been looking at my ass, right? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, not, 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 not far into lockdown, one of uh, 26 leaders, um, 
uh, I went to, to drop some food to him and, uh, and I rang him and I said, hey, you're not home. He said, no, pasta, I'm in prison. I said, but you're on the phone. He's like, I'm the boss. There has to be some privileges. <laughs> so I, I said to him after, afterwards, uh, when he got out of jail, uh, he's been out for about a year and a half now doing a great job. Actually, he's an incredible guy. He's really turned his life around magnificently. I said to him, I said, where do you, where do you keep the phone? Do you keep it in the mattress? He's like, no, pastor, up his bum. <laughs> so I never call these guys because just in case you got the phone on vibrate, I can't bear the idea of what it's going to do to the guy like going like this. I'm, like, I'm not calling. You want to call me? You call me. I'm not calling. <laughs> and what, what was the longest time you spent in prison? I, like we told you, the system is corrupt, so we don't spend long time in prison. Four or five months, we give money. Yeah, we're not I'm gonna not going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But about like I told now. you, the system yeah. failed us, so we don't stay long in prison. Prison, like even if even if someone gets murdered, uh, right? Even even someone get murdered, you just rock the case for maybe one and a half year. Come out. So after one and a half years, a murderer can get out. Yes, if you know the right people. Evidence. If you know the right people. Found you guilty, you come out. But if they find you guilty, you get sent so money to the court, let the documents disappear, stuff like that. There's no, like, it, it's so weird because usually, you know, for like a murder, there'd be like a set 25 mm. years to life or something, right? Yes. But, but you're saying because of corruption, because of connections and, and all that kind of stuff. There's more innocent people in prison than the people that do um, stuff to people, you know, that mm. a lot of innocent people. A lot people. of innocent yeah. people is in prison. What do they just see, like, a colored guy, for example, and go, um, there was a crime here an hour ago. You must be the guy. Theft, stuff yeah, like that. So like some accuse you. You can ask this guy. The police was shooting me almost right through my head. It was a month or two ago now. Mm. A month or two ago. We were getting from other friend's house. So we were drinking, you see. So it was three or four events now. Yeah, they tried to search us, but we, one, one of our guys was having a gun. Then we was... Nah, you can't, you're not going to search us with them. them. So they hit me with a gun. So the gun go off in my face. I was, I was making a case, but until today, nothing did happen from the case. They mm. could have killed me. You understand? The reason I wanted to talk about those things we just spoke about, right, is because prison is supposed... Like, if you commit a crime, you should go to prison. Definitely. Right? Mm. Definitely. Um, there shouldn't be innocent people in prison. Mm. And guys that go to prison should be in a place, a safe place, which our prisons are not a safe place, right? Mm. Even though you're a murderer, you still deserve to be in a safe place, right? Yes. Where you can be rehabilitated. That is the point of going to prison, Tell is me. you are um, a harm to society. We are gonna send you to a place where you can go get better, right? And make society a better place. Do you think overall, people come out of prison better or worse in South Africa? Worst, 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 worst. Because now you get used to the to, yeah, to the, the uh, to prison. Now you're not scared anymore to go to, you to prison anymore. It becomes a norm. You, you know. You get comfortable in this situation. Yeah. For me, like I told you, I was only once in prison. And I was sentenced for a dumb thing. And it's not liquor. You guys joined the numbers gang when you went into prison, right? Yes. No, they yes. joined. You guys me. joined the numbers yes. gang. How come you didn't? Because, you know what, to be honest, man, my dreams and small, I, from the, my dreams and small, I want to make music. So I didn't know if I did join, I want, they wanted to make me a 27. So I said, nah, I'm an Owens, man. I don't think I'm right. They say, yeah, man, it is a dappy, man. Say, we tell you like it, nah, man. If I was joining for the rest of my life, I'm going to be controlled by the number gang. I don't want to be controlled. You understand? Mm. But is, is it not the same thing as joining the gang, no, the, the, the bad um, boys? There's a feeder camp. Like they say, there's a prison gang in the feeder camp. Bad boys is a feeder camp. So is, is something like the, num it's a the numbers gang is a lot harder to leave, Ooh, right? Brother. Is that correct? Blood yes. in, blood out. So, so yeah. stuff like that. It's, like it's for all instance, different gangs, but in present there's only three gangs, 26, 27, and 28. 28. You can be a bad boy or a terrible or whatever you name, you sexy boy, anything. But if you go into prison, you leave that. They you must be, be outside, not a bad boy anymore. No matter mm. you are a, 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 a psychic, and I'm a bad boy, but we are both 27. You could have killed my brother. We are brothers. We, are no brothers what, now. we can kill each other outside. It don't work like that in prison. Yeah. If we, if I'm a 27, you are 27. We sleep together. 
We stay together. We are together. We But love outside, together. We, we kill, each, kill other. each other. Because then you are um, like, an, I'm a bad boy. You are psycho. And we're in a yeah. And now we are not mm. against, um, together anymore if you are outside. But in prison, the rule is we are only three gangs there in prison. Only three, 26, 27, and 28. No matter what gang you are, you are outside. outside. Yeah. But in prison, dead gang, dead three gangs, no power. No and power. They, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they do that because if there was all these different gangs coming into prison, it, it would be, be chaos. Yeah, it would, would be chaos. For the numbers gang. And the, the numbers gang, while there is different ranks, yeah, like 26, yeah, 27, yeah, 28, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, but, yeah, but they're, they're, they're all working together, yes. right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Just and to keep the peace and the discipline that, that is in the prison. Because like I told you, I did sleep in the France account, but if you go into the Owens account, the whole environment changes instantly. Like, here's the door. When you get in here, you want to say, hey, my bro. Rapers, murderers, robbers. And you know what? What is the bad thing that you need to adapt to other people's way of life? And you know how hard it is to adapt. Like, does he sleep next to me for more than six months? To adapt to how he likes his stuff. He likes you don't like to snore. People fight over simple stuff in prison man, because it's a lot of stress, brother. It's a lot, a lot of stress. I want to talk a little bit just to kind of end off here about the future, right? The future for you guys and the future for the people in your community. Where do you guys see yourself in 10 years? There's big things in 10 years. You know what? I, um, I don't know the future. I don't know tomorrow, but I can tell you what stuff that is happening in now in our lives. Definitely is going to be a better place for our people. I'm not going to talk for someone else, but for my people. Our, we will make sure that our kids will live a brighter tomorrow. You see, because today we just love for today. We don't we don't see tomorrow. So our thing is just to have a better tomorrow for our kids. Because I'm gonna, I can die today. I can go out to the studio. They kill me. They can wait me outside. But my kid is still gonna love. So I need to make sure that tomorrow is gonna be much better for him. You understand? So yeah. Where do you guys see yourselves in 10 years? Because the last time I asked someone that question, they said dead. He was a gang member nah, as well. He's nah, I'm not negative like that. In the yeah. next 10 years, maybe my own production company, my own music. So that's your dream, man, eh? to start your own production company and, and do music. I'm busy with my own um, short, um, short um, screen right. I'm busy writing, you see, it's about my own life. Um, the, I wanted to make it a short film, you see, life. Then I gave life an acronym, love and fear every day. Mm. You see, so I'm busy with that, so... Yeah, like a statement. It's not gonna go on like this for long. I was thinking of doing a, a, a there's a there's a theater in town called the Labia, right? Have you heard of the Labia yes, before? Yes. It's the oldest theater in, in Cape Town and probably South Africa as well. But um, I wanted to do, or I want to do an event there where um, I invite filmmakers and artists to come and share something that they've created, right? So it's like a big movie screen, uh, screen and there's like lots of chairs invite like a few hundred people okay, and uh, yeah. get people from places like uh, the areas you guys from the Cape Flats, from Kailicha, from, uh, from, from people like me, right? All kinds of people from Cape Town, because there's so much diversity to bring the stuff that they've made and show it to an audience. Because a lot of the time it feels like we're making something but no one's watching, right? So, yeah. and, and I could only imagine if you do, I mean, if you do something, let me know make a video, make a short documentary. And if you do it, I'll make it happen. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do this event. No problem, no problem. <laughs> swa, swa. I will make it. I'll put it on because if you, if you make a little film, I'll do it, okay. Just give me a few months from now or a few weeks, yeah. And, then, I, and, then, I'll, and then I'll get a few other guys to come and, and share as well. And you guys can maybe do a talk if you want to. No, that's oh. dope. I think it would be really, really cool. That's dope. Yes. And where, do you, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, I can't. Tell you where I see myself in 10 years because I know I don't know what's gonna happen. You see, like we like I like we told you, like we love, we don't know when we're gonna die because we can have peace with the people in our community. What about the other guys? We also maybe we doing wrong things. Maybe they kill one of us, we kill one of them. So always we must in those 10 years, I must start looking after me. You see, mm. like, who want to kill me? It's like that. I can't say what I'm going to be in this 10 years. 
because I don't know what's gonna happen in this 10 years. But because of Uncle Andy, I, in this 10 years must be peace. No fight, no one must we get have killed. Faith. We have faith in Uncle Andy. Yeah. yeah. see. Yeah. In the 10 years now, like like we meet Andy now, and we, I see so much light. I see hope. I see there is people who, who care about us. Mm. There is. And, and, and that give me a... A drive, yeah. yeah. It gives me some of what to be something again, man. You see, because yeah. like a few weeks ago, our minds was just like, hey, Manita, man, killing money. Them, killing them. We're going to love this life. We want to be the biggest. You understand? So, and Uncle Andy, Andy so was something else. And yeah. we see what Andy's talking, then. That's why. I think that's the most important thing is a direction, right? Yes. yes. And being, being someone who's suffered from addiction. And being yes. surrounded by people that's like-minded, that want to better themselves. Mm. Because we're surrounded only with Nwata's like the same. Yeah. We but see what bad stuff. Like, I, like I, I, I've interviewed and I've, I mean, I know a lot of people that suffer from addiction, like mm. drug addiction and al alcohol abuse. You know, and the one thing that I see that can save someone is a direction in yes. their life, right? Yes. Like when I came out of rehab, um, because I also, I was, I was getting arrested. I've been arrested like three times and I've been through that stuff as well, right? And a lot of the people that went to NA and went to rehab with me went through those things as well. But when they came out, they didn't have a direction. Mm. And I had a direction, right? And I'm not saying everyone didn't have a direction, but 99% of the people that I met in rehab and at NA did not have a direction for their life. So they came out and they sat around and they fell back into mm. the life that they were living before, right? Yes. yes. Because they it's didn't like have a direction. They didn't like know, what are, you, what, are you, what are you waking up for today? Mm. What am I waking up for today? To go work a nine to five that's paying me 200 rand oh. a week or a, a day, right? Oh. What, is, what is the point? So you fall back into that life and like saying that the work that you guys are doing, Andy, is so phenomenal. And it's, it's not even the work you're doing. It's just, there's, it's what you guys are doing, mm. right? All, all Andy's done is come in and, us. and say that, I don't even know what you said, but <laughs> you probably said lots. I know you love talking. Yeah. But um, what, what, what has happened is people have come in and given some sort of a direction and yeah. like you guys have grasped that, right? And that's what Andy did do for us, man. He did so was like, you see, no matter you can do what in life, man, no matter how you yesterday looks like, there is still hope and there is, you can become something, man. You see, why you can talk like, like Uncle Andy, they come to us they tell us about the hope and the future and all those kind of things. So there was also other people who, just, who come the same like Uncle Andy, but they give they us wrong ways. Yes, guns. Yes, different death. agenda. Yeah, you understand. You understand. Yeah, yeah I, there was a, the the guy Tando that I interview. He always says, and I'm sure this is quite a common saying, but. Uh, he's, he's not a dope dealer anymore. He's a hope dealer. That's <laughs> quite. <laughs> and uh, uh, he's, a, he's a hope dealer. I think you've said that as well. I know people from your community are going to watch this, right? And this is a way for you to speak directly to them. What do you guys want to say to your community? There's big change on the way. And leave this just mental mentalities, man. We're not the same like yesterday. And to all the gang members, we need to stand is one to make our place a better place for our kids, man. You understand? Because, like I said the other day, was the community without unity. We have a community without unity, so it doesn't make a community. You understand? So that's just the thing, man. We need to stand more together. We need to stand as one. Because we all have one enemy in common, but we prefer to fight each other. It's wrong, man. But big change is on the way, definitely, definitely. And the community, I know all of them, they're looking to us and they know we are the only ones that can stop the war where we stay. If we don't want to stop, then it will still be on. Kids gonna die and all that kind of things. But I know there will be hope and I know things will be better in our community. And yeah. They the one. Be, yeah, for my community, there will be peace. I believe that peace. I talk about peace. No more fight, no more crimes, anything. The thing is, we're also tired of fighting, man. We're tired of going to prison. We're mm. tired of 
looking over our shoulders, you understand? So for us, it's just, I need money, I want money, you understand? So why don't we make money together instead of fighting each other for money? Let's make money together, man. Yeah. Because there is a lot of money to be made. I think, I think you nailed it when you said that without unity, there's no community. Definitely. You know, and that oneness, that's the key thing. And, you know, without trying to go back and open cans of worms, you know, the, the system has been designed to break that apart, to take the fathers away, to make the mothers go over there, to break family units apart, to, you know, create a lack of hope, etc. Even even in a lot of the churches and so on, it's, it's about you do what I tell you to rather than thinking for yourself and so on. And, uh, you know, but, but where there's... Where there's division, there's not much hope, but where there's unity, it's incredible. And so what you guys saw, actually, you know, what you guys led the other day in terms of that gang piece, that was crazy because four gangs standing arm in arm rather than wanting to shoot each other, actually hugging each other, like that's a bit crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes, yes. Right? yes I'm getting... um, and, and yet you saw, because you led, what happens when, when, if you guys as the kings of the community can lead that unity, anything is possible. Absolutely anything is possible. And so all of a sudden you've got a generation of kids who the schools are locking out of the door because they don't have the right school shoes or because they've been fighting in class, etc. What What better way to guarantee that these kids are going to become and stay gangsters if they're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 is they're fighting in school because that's all they've ever known what to do and they get kicked out of school. Like, you know, a guaranteed first prize in gangsterism is kick a kid of 8 <laughs> years of age or 10 years of, of age out of school like right you go straight to the bad boys <laughs> you know um but 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 all of a sudden these kids who are looking to you guys for leadership are now going to be looking to you and going okay so lead me in the right path rather than the wrong path so i don't mean this to be a heavy statement to end on but you guys got a lot of responsibility resting on your shoulders don't mess it up <laughs> and i trust you i believe in you guys i believe in you do i really do thank you so much guys for coming down today Honestly, I love you guys, Andy. I love you, and um, yeah, this was such a great conversation. Thanks for having us today, man. It's Thanks a pleasure, guys. Us. It's a pleasure. I hope it's you not guys. It's going to be the first time. It's going to be in plenty more. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys will be back. Eh? Definitely. Did, did, did you, have you enjoyed being on here? Yes. 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 No, why not? Awesome, guys. Thanks nice for having us, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming down. And I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Wide Away podcast. I know it was a little bit different, but really, this has been really awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming down. Thank you, man. Thank and you. cheers, everyone. I'll see you guys next week. Salute. <laughs> 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 <laughs>